0: I would say yes to every meeting invite that came my way, even if the meeting didn't have an agenda, if I didn't know what my role was in the meeting. I had this people pleasing tendency to like, well, if my boss invited me, then 100%, I'm gonna be there even (laughs) even if I'm not the right person or it's not a good time for me. Confidence is doing the work, it's a process. It's not just a light switch if I have it or I don't, it's a continual work.
1: Welcome to the show. Hello there. I'm Jess. I'm the host of this podcast. If you've been listening for a while, you already know that. And I'm also a career and leadership coach for women in the nine to five space. I support women in building confidence and strengthening their voice and going after and landing the roles and career paths that they truly want. It is so fun. It fires me up and today i have such a good interview with you this is such a good one you're gonna meet today's guest heather in a second i know you're gonna fall in love with her i can already feel it she's an executive in the healthcare space she's built an incredibly successful career in the corporate space and this is one of those like winding interviews where we hit on so many things she talks a lot about like time and boundaries and her relationship with time and her calendar We talk a lot about confidence, especially during times of struggle, and what does it mean to be confident and to show up confident when things aren't going very well, which I think is one of the most important ways to be talking about confidence, because that is where all of the like lasting, sustainable confidence gets built. We talk about salary negotiation. We talk about strengthening your voice in meetings and doing so from an authentic place. This conversation, I think, will make you feel seen. Heather has so much like deeply wise insight from her own journey of growth, and I'm so grateful to her for sharing it with us and for opening up to all of us about her professional evolution and what has gotten her to where she is today. I am so excited for you to meet her. Quick announcement before I cut into the interview on august 29th i'm hosting a workshop that is centered around the art of speaking up i'm going to be teaching you tools to help you find a confident voice in meetings even if you struggle with confidence even if you don't feel confident in meetings that is okay That does not mean that you will feel that way forever. It is just about being committed to your own growth and learning tools that will help you bring your voice out and practicing those tools over time. I'm going to be sharing tools with you to help you get past nerves and get past overthinking, to help you speak up with more confidence. And I'm also going to be teaching you how to communicate with executives and your boss and leaders and superiors in a way that helps you land as very authoritative, very effective, and very powerful. The work that I do and the work in this workshop, we are working from the inside out. So I'm not just giving you like these outward tips on how to communicate, although I will be doing that, but we're going to be talking about the inner work that keeps you from feeling confident that keeps you sometimes trapped feeling small. And we're gonna work through navigating that and talk about how to navigate that so that those feelings don't stop you from having the growth you wanna have and from having the voice that you want to have in meeting rooms. I'm so excited, I can feel it already that it's gonna be a really fun, warm, welcoming space. And I would love to have you there. To join us in the workshop, grab your ticket at justguzzitcoaching.com slash events. I will drop the link below. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to see you there. I can't wait to be in this space with all of you. And with that, I'm going to transition into the interview. Let's meet Heather, let's hear her story, and I hope you enjoy.
0: My name is Heather Hernandez, and I am a healthcare software executive. I have been in the nine to five space for about 15 years now. And I started my career in clinical operations, working for pharma and med device companies, bringing new revolutionary healthcare technologies to market, working in partnership with awesome diverse teams of physicians, nurses, research staff to figure out whether these solutions were helpful or not and what kind of patients they're most, most helpful for. And then I made a pivot in my career to business development and ended up selling technology tools to pharma companies. I basically used a vendor to leverage innovative and compliant (laughs) mechanisms to better recruit patients for clinical trials and ended up working for that vendor to connect them to other people who were doing the job that I used to do. And then that got me very excited about the power of partnerships and how that can drive healthcare solutions in a really powerful way, how you can expand your impact by getting a solution out and working with on the business side and working on the hospital side and bringing those two forces together to create awesome solutions. So the last about four years of my career, I've been working in early stage startups who focus on healthcare technology and it has been a blast.
1: And now we're going to go back to 14 or 15 years ago, Heather, (laughs) who's just starting out. What was hard for you at the very beginning?
0: Beautiful question. Many things. (laughs) Some of them I knew were hard for me and some of them I had no idea were issues. I I thought that I was crushing it. Uh, (laughs) So to name a couple, one was really taking accountability for my time, really owning my calendar. I did not do that well. I would say yes to every meeting invite that came my way, even if if the meeting didn't have an agenda, if I uh, didn't know what my role was in the meeting. I thought that Saying yes to everything was was like a great teammate thing to do. <laughs> and I would be in so many waste of time meetings, and uh, you know, not take responsibility for my job and helping them hammer out what they're trying to get to, what their objective is, or in protecting my time. I also didn't I didn't have any time on my calendar for focusing, for thinking creatively. I didn't hold time to work out. I let myself fall into the busy trap and think that working harder or working constantly made me a great employee. And it really was not what I needed or what the business needed. And I think the moment I learned that I'm in control of my time, that it's actually a benefit to my team and the business if I hold hard boundaries and make sure that I'm ready to come to meetings and and contribute to not just sit there <laughs> or flounder or you know that I'm responsible for controlling my time. That was a huge shift in my performance. <laughs> I don't know, have you ever struggled with that? Uh, this topic is so
1: loaded. Yes, of course I have. And I think the thing with the time thing and managing your calendar is the story of like, I have to do this, or I can't feel so real to people. And yes, you really have to be shaken out of it. Like people think there's no choice and there is no choice because you think there's no choice, but people can't see that. And it can be so hard to get out of that.
0: Yes. And do they really, do they really, really need you at that meeting? Do they really, really need you? What would happen if you weren't there and, I felt so sneaky early in my career when I would go for a walk in the middle of the day or work out or, or even just take, I, I wasn't in the practice of, setting aside time to execute or to focus. And I felt like I was getting away with something. I felt like when people catch me, this is going to blow up in my face. (laughs) Like there's a lot of like, is this okay that I am, you know, taking this time that, and, and saying no to meetings. Like, you know, sometimes I would schedule time, but then as soon as a meeting came up that could work in that time, I would be like, oh yeah, let's, let's move forward with this meeting. And, really the holding a time as precious like setting your priorities and truly making your calendar reflect those has been such a shift for me in my performance and the way that I'm able to show up for my team and the way I'm able to get things done i think this is such a good like piece of evidence because i think
1: it's so easy to think well your performance will be reduced if you're not right and you're saying like it's elevated your performance
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny because your calendar, looking back, I, I think this is from seven habits of highly effective people. But someone, someone will correct me that practice of reviewing your calendar for the week ahead and reviewing the weeks behind and just really reflecting honestly with yourself. Did I spend the most time on the top priorities for our company and our team and not crucifying yourself when you don't, (laughs) but using that as data and feedback to get aligned again with like, what is the most urgent, important, long-term things that I can be working on? Because that's not the order that calendar invites come your way. And like, that's not the way that the world asks for your attention. So when you exert that accountability it, it really, it shifts and the meeting will either will happen without you and folks will circle back with the questions they have for you. They'll give you the updates you need. Like our teams are very competent, (laughs) you know, the life will move onwards or, you know, you'll, you'll have the steadiness to come to the next meeting with, with your center you'll be better prepared. I I find that when a team doesn't have an agenda, they don't have their objective hammered out. And I say, you know, I'll I'll come to this meeting when we're when we're ready, like do a little more work. We're so much more productive. We end meetings early. Like it's definitely that that pullback to accelerate. So that was a big, <laughs> a big disaster early in my career. I thought my job was to go as to as many meetings as possible, no matter what they were. <laughs> No matter if I, I I would always accept meetings, even if it was like, I could just be given an email update on what happened. I really wouldn't need to spend that hour there. And it's, it's been transformative.
1: It puts you in a bigger energy. I feel like when you declare like that, you are the one in charge and you feel that, and I think it spills over into other things too, right? Not just like with your calendar, but it's like who you're being in creating
0: those boundaries. Beautifully said beautifully said. You're, I. That's another thing. I I would very much cower. I had this people-pleasing tendency to like, well, if my boss invited me, then 100%, I'm going to be there even if, even if I'm not the right person or it's not a good time for me. And I think you said that exquisitely, like being the boss of your own calendar and your own time and trusting that you know how to contribute meaningfully and you know, how you're going to do your best work. And then I think that, you know, just continuing to communicate very transparently to your team. Like I have four to five every Thursday saved for a mental health activity. And that's a workout therapy, journaling, but that's non-negotiable. And that's what I need to do to make sure that I show up for my team. And I'm happy to work later or earlier that day for facing something urgent, or, you know, I'm just very transparent that this is a boundary for me and let's work around it. And it's amazing. It's wonderful. I show up better for my team. Yeah. And you're setting
1: such a good example for them, right? Because now they all have permission to do that.
0: Yeah. And it's tough. And I think there are all these little voices in our head that say, I'm in a customer-facing role. I don't know if anyone else resonates that with this, but you know, I really want to be hyper-responsive to my customers and their needs. So that eight to six window is really important. But that you know, you kind of have to think about your your industry and your customers. But my customers are actually on twenty four seven a lot of the time in healthcare, so it it hasn't held our team back and we we also like find a way to cover for each other. We, you know, Sundays are easier for me. <laughs> like you I think you work with your team to when we're authentic and transparent about these boundaries and what we need, we get to great solutions. We're going to go into confidence
1: now. Love it. Starting with your definition. So, how do you define it? And then we're going to talk about like what has happened with your confidence. Wonderful.
0: So I have actually worked a lot on defining this for myself. So for me, confidence is is doing the work. It's a process. It's not just a light switch if I have it or I don't. It's a continual work to get in touch with your best self and then to use all that good energy to proceed with resilience and to raise up others around you uh, to give yourself more energy and give everyone around you the power to do amazing things. And I've heard a lot of different words for this. I've heard like getting centered. I've heard, I really like Glennon Doyle's way of describing it. She describes getting in touch with your knowing, like being very authentic to your compass and that that will exude out of you. For me, I've been calling it my on the court Heather, because when I feel like I'm at my best is on a beach volleyball court. I just feel like I'm my most playful, confident, ready to handle mistakes with psychological safety and resilience. I'm ready to team up with anyone. I want to be the kind of partner that brings out the best, you know, thinks about what my teammate needs to be successful and help serve to that angle. I am the best version of myself. So it really helps me when I'm not feeling confident to think about what would, what would volleyball Heather do? What would on the court Heather do? And how can I bring this into this situation? And how has that evolved? Did it take you some
1: time to get to like being able to embody volleyball, Heather, more frequently over time? Or like, what did the pattern look like?
0: Oh, that's such a beautiful question. Yeah. It's a ongoing process and it shifts, you know, it sometimes things make it easier to get to that confidence. Like it could be a shaky time. You could just have a series of failures. It's really easy to show up confident when you're winning five games in a row right you're winning 21-0 like the confidence just it's it's there for you waiting for you people people give you compliments you get all this external validation and it's a piece of cake to come into that with right it makes it easier and then if you lose five times in a row and you're people are like that was not the quality of work we were hoping for that was not the direction <laughs> that can, that can really be undermining. And so there's a lot of, a lot of different techniques. I think one that's very delightful to stay within this metaphor of volleyball is that one of the best players in the world, April Ross, she's currently on her path to Tokyo. She says, sometimes you have to be like a puppy. Sometimes you have to just like, you know, you know that you lost that point, but you have to like, whoop the next one. You have to truly believe. The next one is going to be wonderful, like just reset and have that confidence and optimism and trust that, you know, you might, you might need to do some realignment. You might need to do an adjustment, but that the universe is conspiring in your favor and (laughs) the next, the next shot is going to hit. So lots of, lots of staying in tune with your body. For me, I'm an athlete, so I do a lot of work thinking about, you know, what does my body feel like is my body exuding confidence am i yeah am i feeling strong in this am i feeling like we're working in the right direction so you know whenever you start to feel the the tightness in your chest or the worry or those little gremlin voices inside saying like you don't belong here <laughs> or you're not a real company or you know whatever those nonsense criticisms are i I think naming it really helps naming your fears, talking about them. Often they're a lot smaller than they, you know, they feel big and scary and lonely in your head. And then you share them with someone else and they're like, yeah, that's, it's been really uncomfortable. Like, yeah, that's real. You're not alone. You're not crazy. Let's, let's fix it and keep moving. But yeah, it's constant, it's constant work. And I think a lot of living in alignment with what your values are, what your priorities are, it. It doesn't feel good to, I feel like when I play volleyball, I feel like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. Like there's no better use of my time right now. Like I'm fully focused. And I feel like when I'm playing volleyball, I'm, I'm going to turn around and be a better family member and a better coworker and everything I care about is going to get better because I'm fully in this practice. And I think trying to maximize the times in your life that you feel like I am fully where I'm supposed to be. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy all the time. And it doesn't mean it's not going to be uncomfortable, but, you know, maybe you're in the middle of conflict with your sister, (laughs) you know, and you're working through something, but that knowing that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, I'm, you know, working towards the things that are really important to me. I think that. That can really help with confidence too. When you feel out of alignment with your values or priorities, it makes it harder to keep that center.
1: I resonate with so much of what you're saying. I think a lot of what you're speaking about to me speaks to like the fantasy of what we want confidence to be versus what it actually is. So I feel like the fantasy is like, it's a switch that you flip. And then once you flip it, you're done and it's easy and you never feel bad and you never fail when really like you're saying it's a process. And so much of it is built in the moments where you miss the shot and you have to take another one. And it's like, that's never the answer that we want to hear, but it's the truth. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I re- it's so frustrating, too, when you I find this with volleyball, you you've learned a new skill, but then you don't practice it for two months and you go back and that skill has gone. <laughs> I forgot something. Another example of this for me is I realized recently I was dehydrated all the time. I haven't been drinking water. I know that's important. I used to carry a water bottle with me everywhere, but it's like every day you have to wake up and be like, I'm going to drink a lot of water today. <laughs> it's like you're never done it's like laundry like it's always (laughs) it's always there there's no trophy you can put on your wall to say like I did the laundry last month like we're good.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Or like, Oh, I worked through that. Or I learned that new volleyball skill or like, I'm finally better at that thing. And then all of a sudden you're thwacked from the side. It comes in and you're like, I guess I'm not done with that
0: yet. Exactly. It's always, and you know, there's kind of the illusion that we have these strengths that are fixed and it's usually because we, we enjoy working on those and we revisit them and we prioritize them. But it's, it's a practice, it's growth mindset. It is, you know, where we focus that, that work gets done. And that, that whole thing of every time you're asking, how can I be a better, whatever it is, partner, leader, healthcare, executive, mother, or like anytime you ask that, you're already doing the work to figure out what's next it's a really fun reframe for when things get really hard, which they inevitably do to be like, this is my training. This is where I hone my resilience and my confidence. I love going into believing in the comeback, like going into a, like you got yourself into this 10 to zero hole, you are losing badly. And mo- the commentators probably saying, there's no way like this game's over. Like, <laughs> there's no way Heather and the team are going to come back from this. And that's the moment where, where magic can happen, right? That's the moment where everybody loves a comeback. Like, how strong are you? So reframing really bad times, really low lows, you know, you just you lost three of your best players on your team, whatever it looks like, people keep telling you no and you're in a sales role. (laughs) People keep hanging up on you. Whatever it is, reframing that as this is making me resilient. This is helping me practice confidence when it's not easy, I think is really a powerful reframe instead of letting those voices creep up that are like, this is why you don't deserve this job. This is. (laughs) You are terrible. No one will love you. Like those terrible voices that we would never talk to our friends like this. But if you have a mind like mine, it can be really harsh.
1: (laughs) Same, same. I love the idea of a comeback, though, because when that happens and then the underdog ends up winning, that's when you get the biggest explosion in the crowd. Like there's nothing like that, you know, versus when the team that was like so much better and ahead the whole time wins. There's something to be said about that.
0: Yes. Yeah. That status change is so exciting. And yeah, I think we've all felt the struggle and it's a very vulnerable moment to believe when there's no good reason for you to believe when, when it feels like there's a default destiny and you're not on those tracks, (laughs) you're not on the right side. Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's something very admirable in you know, we, we love a startup story. We love a comeback story. And I actually like to train my teams that are in, you know, a number one position or look like they can't fail that, you know, it's a dangerous mindset to get complacent. The underdogs are actually have a big advantage because they can just, you know, go all out, not feel like this loss knocks that, you know, if if you're supposed to lose, if you're supposed to be the underdog, you have nothing to lose. So just get, you know, you can just give it your all very freely. You can, you don't look silly dreaming big. And it's actually really hard. I think for teams that think for one reason or another, that they are meant to win the space or, you know, it's hard to drum up that sense of urgency and that sense of, How do I take the biggest risk? How do I not coast through this this game or this quarter? So figuring out what you need to do to to have that kind of urgency is is really important, really powerful, really motivating. I think probably a lot of us have been struggling with that throughout the pandemic, throughout this time. Adam Grant wrote a beautiful New York Times article, if anyone hasn't read it yet, on languishing, where it's just that feeling of meh and not really feeling excited about anything. But I think kind of thinking, how can I switch from this like blah mindset of whatever, you know, scene it is, if it's work or home or your hobbies, and how do I get to a really thriving and excited and inspired mindset is a really, really cool practice. And one that if you're like me, you might be coming back to after a draining (laughs) period of not getting to see other people and connect with other people the way we're used to.
1: I love everything you're sharing so much. And speaking of like believing in yourself and that vulnerable choice to believe in a destiny that maybe looks different from where you are, I would love to get your perspectives for anyone listening who is not happy with their confidence in their voice and feels like it's not where they want it to be. I'm just going to throw that that out there as like a starting point and then we can dig into it.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really a crappy moment to not feel like you're fully lit up self, to just feel for some reason or another, like you're not where you want to be or you're not operating to the top of your license. You're not reaching your potential. I think that's just kind of a meh, crappy feeling. (laughs) And no one deserves to feel that. I think there's also this, idea that some people have greatness in them and some people don't like this this terrible lack of, of growth mindset or understanding the genius and everybody. So I think that's, that's kind of number one is recognize that you deserve to feel like you're thriving in your life. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can go about kind of figuring out what's zapping your energy, what is you know, we know the difference between something that's uncomfortable and headed towards growth, headed on a path that we want to be versus the not good pain versus just like really uncomfortable and not serving us really uncomfortable. And it's taking us out of showing up in other arenas of our life. But I think, you know, if you're, if you're not clear on what the problem is, maybe some journaling, maybe some meditation, some therapy, some life coaching, Try to see if you can figure out what is not aligned with with who you want to be. So that's one. And that might be some work if you haven't done it already on understanding what your life mission is, understanding what's important to you, understanding what your goals are so that you do figure out that compass. And then I I think it's a, a daily practice making sure that you're in the space that you want to be, that you're inviting in flow and you're inviting in genius. There's another great author, Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, you know, your job is to show up and you might show up and have a really terrible day of volleyball. You might show up and have no ideas for your writing project, (laughs) right? But your job is to show up, to do your routines, to sit in the chair, to put pen to paper. And sometimes when you do that, the creative genius will show up. So I think recognizing that, you know, you might not win every game, but doing what you need to do to show up as your best. So that's my best start about how to to get to confidence and thriving. I think listen to Jess's podcast. (laughs) It's a great one. (laughs) I love, I think it's such a extraordinary podcast. You have such an impressive lineup of guests and I recently heard you give a piece of advice that's sat with me about, you know, we might, we might get this feedback that feels a little nitpicky about you have too many filler words or you, you have this uptick in your talk. (laughs) And to, instead of focusing on those things to step back and focus on the root cause, which is our confidence coming through, that has really, that was great feedback for me. I have been using that a lot with myself and my mentees and the people around me, I think that's so much more productive. And again, to bring it back to volleyball, which I love, and, you know, in volleyball, we we're trying to figure out what gets you a point. And there are all these things that we agree upon are, our proper volleyball, but sometimes, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're trying to get a point. So sometimes things that are a little wonky actually work and you know there's there are things that are more important than uptalk and so how can we <laughs> how can we and there's actually a place where uptalk is really helpful where uptalk is asking are you with me it's it's a subtle cue of are we in this together like do we does that sound right to you so i think i i just love your advice on on really working on the big things and your big presence and that the little things will come
1: Oh totally. I think when the inside's like feeling good and lined up, then the voice kind of like shakes and settles into how it's supposed to sound, and we don't know what that sound is. So it's sort of like we don't want to like manicure something before we even know what we're creating, right? Like let's just like start sculpting and see what it looks like, and then we can figure out like do you like those fillers? Do you like that uptick? But it's like it's like focusing on a detail first that may or may not even be super relevant in the end.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's charming sometimes when, when someone's caught in an unexpected moment and their voice cracks and they're like, oh, My the best. I don't know. And you're like, this person's being real with me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. No. And you know, those moments where you, you know, you really prepared, you know, the subject matter, you looked at the data, you know, you know what the deal is, you know, your stuff. I think, Trusting yourself and being really confident in in where that's kind like you know when you've shown up and you've been like I don't know I didn't prepare for this meeting <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> and gosh. When you and you know the best you can do is be very honest and and humble and then you know when you show up and you're you're prepared and to to trust that and let that steer your voice and presence. I love that so much.
1: And I want to talk about advancing and being proactive about the things that a person wants, whether it's a promotion, a project, more money, just like asking and taking more of an active role. Is that something that you have shifted as your career has gone on? Like, how has that been for you?
0: Great question. And I think this is really important for women to be very transparent about I did not negotiate my first job offer. I didn't know that was a thing that you could do. Same. <laughs> I was like, yes, I take it. I take it. I'm coming. You're going to give me a job. This is great. Um, my my mother is a math teacher and my dad is a UPS driver. They are both brilliant, beautiful, kind, happy, wonderful people. And neither of them has been in the world of business. So, <laughs> so neither was there to say you know this is what you have to do this this offer is coming to you a little watered down because they expect that if you're confident in yourself you'll you'll research your worth you will be confident in that worth and you'll push back so i didn't realize this was a thing until this wonderful woman kim keating who is a consultant to executives for negotiating compensation and the author of the negotiations chapter of Lean In for Graduates, she had me raise my right hand and say, I will never, ever, ever accept the first offer. And that was game changing for me. So I really ask your listeners to please join with me in pledging to never accept the first offer. And to do your research, so go go online. There's a lot of free resources. Look and research what the range is for your job. Figure out what fair and equitable looks like. Figure out what's important to you. There's a lot of levers that are not monetary that you can pull. Perhaps it's working from home. Maybe it's that you're going to make a lot of work calls and you want them to help pay your phone bill. Maybe it's, that you want to be done at work at for every day so you can take care of childcare. Maybe it's, you want to work from Kansas. Maybe it's a sabbatical is really important to you. Like whatever is truly important to you, your employer wants you to be really inspired and fired up to work with us for a long, long time. And you want that too. We want, we all, it's in all of our benefit for you to be in the thriving space. So I think really do the work, take the time, you know, don't feel like you need to, there's always this, this rush and urgency in the hiring process, but I feel like don't be afraid to say I need an extra day to do some research and really reflect on making sure this is the right offer and read Chris boss, read all you can about negotiating. And you know, at the end of the day, you want comp that's fair and equitable and makes work really exciting for you and negotiating, learning about negotiating and practicing it in your daily life is a game changer because you do not get what you don't ask for. I think to, to generalize for just a second, if you'll humor me, I think a lot of women, are negotiating already. They're already coming with their first offer kind of meeting in the middle. A lot of us are secretly not expressing that we would rather have something else. And that doesn't serve us. That doesn't serve our relationships. That doesn't serve our work partnerships. If, if it's not clear that you've already given up something before we've even begun, it just, it just sets you up to be unhappy and to feel really shorted. So I think being really clear on what you need to be successful and asking for it. And and also, again, to to generalize, (laughs) there's there's some men who are great at this and some women are not, but I think in general, our society has trained women to be very empathetic and to listen and to consider other parties. So you're actually going into a negotiation really well-equipped to be mindful of what is important to the other party, you know, how you could be helpful in filling those needs. So definitely use those to make sure that you're coming to a great deal, coming to something that's going to serve all parties. In general, women aren't necessarily taught to ask for what they want, be confident in what they want and go after it. And I've been in that boat. <laughs> And, and working on shedding it and really would be happy to, to offer any advice to any women who are thinking about this. I've been very lucky that women and men have been very, I think we all need to be more transparent about our, our comp and yeah, help, help each other out at the end of the day. You know, money, money is not happiness. And there's a lot of levers that can be pulled that aren't money again. And then money does afford you a lot of opportunities. It can mean that you get childcare for your family. It can mean that you have a little less stress in your life. It can mean that you are able to donate to organizations that are important to you. So I would urge women to, to ask for a little more. I love that. Such an
1: important push. Cause yeah, we like negotiate against ourselves. Like we negotiate ourselves down before it's
0: even started. Before it's even started. i I think that there's a lot of, you know, empathy and collaborative mindset in there, but you got to know your worth. You got to, you know, do your research, think about, you know, think about your skills, think about what you're going to do to make this team excellent and bring your excellence to the company, what you're going to crush. And yeah, just it's it's a it's a struggle for a lot of people to be bold and ask for what they deserve and it just doesn't set you up to feel very appreciated to feel like you know that if if that's always a worry then that's taking your mind away from your priorities from from really crushing at work and when you're not doing work, doing doing your best on the volleyball court, or whatever, whatever that is. So yeah, this is something I'm really glad that you're talking about it. It's really important to me. There's some phenomenal books and YouTube videos about how to do this thoughtfully. And I also think that it's it's really not a win-lose kind of situation. It's often like a win-win, we always win kind of situation. So study up and let me know how I can help. Feel free to DM me on Twitter, send me an email because this is something I'm really passionate about. And yeah, ask ask for what you're worth.
1: I love it. And one more mindset question for you about elevating into larger roles. As that happened, did you find that there were old like mindsets, habits, belief systems that you had to shed as you got into these higher roles throughout your career?
0: I feel like it's been a little bit along the way. I guess one of the mindsets I had that wasn't serving me, and I'd already known this in another context, was, was that if you aren't the captain, then you're not a leader on the team. It was like this broken mindset. I had this this weird, limited thought. So... You know, I knew this from sports and growing up that even if you weren't the captain by name, there were a million, there were unlimited ways that you could lead this team every single day. Like just making sure people have their jerseys, like (laughs) making sure, figuring out what the weather is going to be, where you're going to go travel. Like what you don't have to be the captain in name to contribute. You don't even have to be the first string team. Like you actually, some of the most exquisite leaders sit down on the bench and they start looking for insights when they're when the starting team comes to the bench they say line is wide open line short <laughs> you know they're cheering for their team they're they're making sure they're warm so they're ready to go in so this is something that i knew on some level but for some reason when it came to the workplace i felt like i needed to have authority to ask for things to to get my teammates to, to do something I felt, or I had to have buy-in for an authority. Like I wanted to plan happy hour and I like needed to make sure it's approved by 10 people. (laughs) Like maybe, maybe you could just get people together. Yeah. I really felt like someone needed to place a crown on my head and put a fancy plaque on my door. Like, like that there was something I was going to get that was going to get me this power. (laughs) And that's not how it works. And even if you get, even if you have the plaque on the door and you have, you know, even if you have the fancy title, that does not mean that you are, that people are going to listen to you, that people are going to be excited to follow you. There's a lot of, you always have influence. You always have power. You always have some kind of knowledge. And I think reflecting on what those offers are, we, so Jess, you and I actually met during leading women in tech and they had a really cool exercise where everyone would put an offer and an ask on the post it note and i remember being so beautifully impressed that anyone has an offer you could offer to fix someone's bike you could offer to babysit their children you could offer to teach them what tiktok is <laughs> there's so many offers that might seem obvious to you but are actually really extraordinary, rare, helpful. So I think remembering that you, you know, whether it's your first year in your career or your 50th, that you have a lot to offer and being in touch with what those are and finding ways to lead no matter what your role, you know, figure out something that's really important to you to benefit your team or your company or your industry and go get it. Go create a lean-in circle for women. Go create a post-work bike riding group. (laughs) Go, you know, find a way to do things more efficiently and campaign for that throughout your company. Because these are the kind of things that get you advancements in, you know, oftentimes you're already doing the role or doing the activity. Like if you want to manage teams just start mentoring people. You don't need permission to do that. Some companies might have formal programs that make it really easy for you, but maybe you start one at your company if it's not there already. Like find ways that you can accelerate yourself and find, you know, find mentors. Think about it as your, you know, a side hustle is for you to figure out what do I need to do to gain credibility, grow develop, advance this company, advance this team. And I promise that's going to pay back in the fancy title that you want, but actually you're, you're already doing the work. <laughs> it's it always, it always comes down to the work underneath it, right? We've all seen people who have fancy titles and no one follows them. <laughs> no
1: one <laughs> yeah. No one wants to be on their team.
0: Yeah. They're, they're not getting things done. I think you know, that's the thing, that's the thing that matters. And you don't need anyone to put this crown on your head and say, I give you permission to make a great contribution to this meeting or, you know, make sure our team is prepared to be their best for this upcoming conference. Like take it on yourself and, and definitely, you know, communicate about it. See if, see if you're duplicating work that's already out there, but I definitely When people come up with these innovative ideas, exciting ideas that are their own and they own them, my reaction is, is, you know, how can I help? What can I do to support you? So I think you'll find that the universe conspires in your favor when, when you look for those opportunities.
1: I love that. And you are such a supportive voice. I think that is one of the things that you seem to do naturally is like find ways to lift up other people, which is so beautiful.
0: Thank you. That means a lot to me. I really like that. Yes. And energy. I feel like it brings out the best in me and yeah, same with you. You really are a phenomenal person to team up with. I think you make me feel like my most powerful. You make me feel like I, you know, I can do great things and it's really fun to work with people who bring that out of you.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. And it just this is the power, I think, also of like coming together. And like the yes and is contagious, right? It just unlocks this magical energy. And all of a sudden you're like, I can take on the world.
0: <laughs> it really is. It's really amazing. And yeah, I I just think if teams adopt it for a little bit, we'd, you know, for anyone who's kind of feeling like they're in a ho-hum with work, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of times people see what problems are or see what a fix could be. And, you know, what if, what if you take a moment and brainstorm around, how could we do this better? <laughs> how could I, another thing that's really powerful is, you know, you may see the problem and think these 10 other people are really bringing this down. These 10 other people, you know, these, these other external reasons are the issue. I feel like approaching and being like, what can I, I do to make this better? What can like, I want to show up to help our team tackle this problem. And I'm not yet seeing what I can do to show up better and help support this team better. You might find out that there's some things that you can do to help all these other problems you're seeing, like move forward, get unlocked. So that's, that's also a fun one is, is that extreme accountability. Like, can you be the kind of player manager executive who goes in and, is like there's there's probably something that i could do to unlock this like please help me see it what what feedback do i need to hear what's what's stuck here that we could all need to move forward i think that's also a really powerful version of yes and
1: i love that and speaking of yes and where can we find you and is there any way we can support you
0: oh it's so kind of you yes i'm on twitter at Heather Lynn717. I'm on LinkedIn. You can search Heather Hernandez. Usually, if you search Heather Hernandez Stanford or Heather Hernandez Alara Imaging, you can find me. You can also follow my company, Alara Imaging, on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. You can email me at Heather at We're hiring like crazy right now, we're hiring a lot of engineers and technical experts. We're also looking to connect with folks in the radiology space, and I welcome your email feedback. I welcome your Twitter DM feedback. Tell me about all the social platforms that I'm not on that I should be on. <laughs> I would love to help out other people endeavoring to do great things, especially in the healthcare space. That's, that's where my heart is. Yeah. Get in touch. Awesome. I'll link all of that below. And I'm going to
1: do three closing questions for you today. One is, can you share a time that was like a small moment in your career, but it really represented you like either taking up more space or showing up with more confidence where you look back on it and you're like, oh yeah, like that was a time where I like really showed up powerfully in a way that I hadn't before.
0: Yeah. Great question. So there was a moment when i saw an opportunity for my ceo to make a tiny choice a little decision that would either you know cause cause a little more stress on the team a little more strain a little more personal stretch on everybody or he could go in another direction and make things make things really easier and kind of get a, earn a trust beat with the team really like I don't think it was that big a deal to the CEO and it was something that would take the rest of the team, a lot of work and a lot of personal, personal sacrifice. It, it was not a huge thing or it would be really obvious to speak up. It was kind of like a little thing. And I kind of struggled with this and was like, oh, so I want to like, I don't want to be a bother, <laughs> you know, is this worth bringing up? I don't want to be the complaining one. I don't want to be you know over the top and i decided that yes like this feedback was really useful this feedback is something that i i can see and i think that he would want to know about if he could see and i did my kim scott best to lead with you know to share my intention of you know sharing this feedback with you is because i care and i think you care about being looking out for the team, caring for the team and moving this forward in the best direction. And he he agreed, he listened very kindly and responded positively. But I do think that the even more important piece of this was that I spoke up, I did my part. I was brave and brought forward my, my feedback, my contribution, my advice. And no matter what he chose to do with that recommendation, that is out of my control that's on him. He responded exquisitely, but there was also an opportunity that, you know, the one I'm afraid of that he's like, stay in your lane. (laughs) I don't care what you think. You know, this like fuzzy wuzzy, like emotional nonsense has no place here. You know, there are a million ways that my brain is saying he could respond poorly or a million ways that someone could respond poorly. But I think it made me feel really good to share the authentic truth that I was seeing. It was important enough that it was on my radar. And I think that's really healthy for our team to be super honest about these things. And it, it helps us when we don't keep it inside, let it fester when we don't ask, when we don't bring things up, then there's this secret scoreboard that no one's aware of. And it, you know, it can fester, you can grow resentment it's harder to communicate about patterns of behavior if I never gave the CEO this, this chance, you know, and I don't, I don't know what's full. It also could invite him to, to tell me more of what's going on that I don't know about. So I felt really proud of speaking up when I was Ashley Park, this wonderful actress who was in Mean Girls. She's going to be in this new show called Girls 5 Eva, and she had a beautiful and vulnerable piece on social media when there was an increase in AAPI and in violence against Asian Americans, she says, where am I going with this? Oh, she, she talks about gaslighting yourself, like talking yourself out of something good that you're going to do and like committing to not gaslighting yourself. Like, you know, we have the tools to, to come up, to bring feedback gracefully to say something gracefully. And I was very proud to be in the practice of doing that. I love that. And what you said like leads
1: right into the next question, which is about the name of the show, the art of speaking up. What does the art of speaking up mean to you?
0: I love the name of your show, Jess. I think it's so incredible and speaking up is so important. And the way the title, the art of speaking up is speaks to the process of it. We talked earlier about, you know, you want it to be this light switch thing. You take a pill and then you have that strength forever, (laughs) but it is an art. It is an ongoing work. It's an ongoing showing up to try to get it right. And I think there's also a lot of art to it. We can learn all these tools and we're still going to make mistakes We're still going to, you know, have to, have to apologize for not knowing more and commit to going back and learning so we can do better. You know, that's, that's all part of it. That's going to happen from time to time. So I love, I really, the, the art of speaking up means to me that you're committed to continuing to learn, continuing to evolve, doing your best, being really brave and, also taking accountability for when you spoke up and it wasn't the right direction. (laughs) There's also something I spoke about with one of my brilliant colleagues recently was there's nothing nicer than just a genuine, sincere, humble apology. Someone being like, you were right. I messed up. Thank you for pointing this out to me. It was not my intention, but I understand my impact and I'm, I'm going to figure this out and, you know, get this all, I'll report back to you what we're going to do, or I'll, uh, you know, this, this is what I'd like to offer. Or can you even inviting someone in to say like, this seems like an area that you understand better than I do. I'd really like to learn from you. Like, can, can you teach me how to do this better? Let's do this better together. So I think that's all part of the art of it. There's, there are a ton of great tools and also it's going to take some communicating your intentions, our best intention, and then a little bit of love and trust.
1: (laughs) I love that. And for the final question, so this question was inspired by what inspired the show, which was a time in my career where I was not confident, overwhelmed. I had no mentors. It was a shit show to describe it (laughs) bluntly and concisely. And so I always want to speak to anyone who's either going through that or just trying to get to their next level of confidence and just give you the floor to speak to them what you
0: think they need to hear. Oh, yes. We've all been there. It's like, it's such a terrible feeling. I think know that you're not alone. Probably every person that you admire has also felt this way at some point. I think that daring to do things that are unfamiliar to you, that have never been done before, is difficult and scary and never easy and fraught with failures. So just recognize that. It's okay to do difficult things. You're not alone in feeling terrible when failures happen, (laughs) you know, and even when the failures are your fault, there are going to be moments where you're really not moving forward the way you want to. And it's, you know, it's all, it's a lot easier when it's like on the team's back or on someone else's back. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to be graceful when it's on your back, but just give yourself a moment. It doesn't help to tear yourself down take your deep breaths. It really helps me to remember a time that I was doing great. That really helps me get back to my, on the court Heather's, or if, if you're really struggling, if you're really in a rough spot, sometimes it gets hard to ever think that you ever did anything great. I've been there where I'm like, I don't remember me ever <laughs> <Same. not> sucking. <laughs>
1: same, same. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. You're just so
0: upset. You're like, I can't even remember a good thing I've ever done. So if you get into that space, another helpful exercise is to think of someone you really admire and think, what would Serena Williams do if this fell apart? (laughs) What would she do? What would Whoever it is, what you know, what would Cheryl Sandberg do? That's probably a controversial one for some people. What would what would your personal hero? What would your mom do? What would Maya Angelou do? What? How would they look at this scenario? What would they say to you? And what data would they go to to figure out how to move forward? And then I think the two things: one, keep going. One foot in front of the other, one point at a time, trust that it's going to get better. And then number two, if you're like me and you just are so good at pushing, sometimes it's worth taking a step back and thinking, you know, is, is there something intractable here? Is, is there something that are my frameworks correct? I, maybe I'm assuming that this clinical trial can work, but if I haven't enrolled a patient in a year and I'm working really hard on it, maybe, maybe we need to revisit the protocol. Maybe, maybe this trial is not, you know, maybe we need to call it a failure. Maybe, maybe it's time to change direction or change our environment. So just give yourself the grace of it's, it's okay to decide that an environment is not for you. If you know, if you've given it your best over and over and over again, it might be I'm really bad at acknowledging that it's time to quit. <laughs> and I think that's a useful skill too, you know, like figure out am I banging my head against a wall for something that's that's not going to move forward for me here? Is this where I want to continue pouring my time and energy and resources? Listen to a podcast that makes you happy? Go listen to a song that makes you happy. I find that a little run, a dance party, a walk, a drink of water can all help me get back into the right space, back onto the court. It's really helpful also if you establish these rituals. The more you give yourself a little breathing moment, a little, you know, you say your prayer, touch your little superstitious rock, (laughs) whatever it is. I think it gives them, it endows them with more power and it helps you remember the times that they helped you shift your mindset. So it becomes more and more effective, but you're going to get out of this and it's, it's going to be great. That's what I have to say. (laughs) Thank you so much, Heather.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation with Heather. I loved this interview. There's something about when someone is walking us through, walking me through, walking you through the experience of their own growth and how they change and how they've shifted and how they see the world differently and show up in the world and their careers differently. It just, it really like opens up a big crack in my brain in the best possible way. And I hope it did the same for you. Please get in touch with Heather. I'm going to put her contact information, her Twitter, her LinkedIn, her email down in the show notes so that you can find her and connect with her. A big thanks to Heather for coming on the show and a big thanks to you for tuning in. It's so good to have you here. If you want to join me and spend some time together... And have some dedicated time to focus on yourself and focus on your professional growth and take some fun but tangible productive steps to build your confidence and strengthen your voice in meetings i would love to see you on august 29th at my workshop and you can grab your ticket in the show notes and if you look in the show notes you will find all of my info to get in touch with me, to connect with me on Instagram, all of the things. I so appreciate you being here. It means so much to me. I so appreciate you for sharing the show with your friends. Thank you. I appreciate those of you who have left reviews. I've been getting a lot of ratings for the show recently. And that warms my heart so much because now that I'm doing this show full-time and running my business full-time, I don't have a boss. I don't get any feedback. And that's really something to get used to. And when I hear from you that this show is helping you and supporting you, it just melts my heart. It fires me up. It's such a good feeling. So I appreciate your support of the podcast more than you know. Thank you. A big heartfelt thank you from my heart to yours. Okay. I'm going to sign off. I will catch you next week for a solo episode. I hope you're excited and have an amazing day. All right. Bye.